everybody. Welcome back to the Cosmic Car Wash podcast again. Uh, I am Paul Daly, as I was last week and all the weeks before. This is my good friend, Rick. And, hey. uh, God, feeling good today. We were just uh, riffing on some Monty Python clips and some other, you know, internet memes and jokes. And thank you, internet, for the nonstop laughs. Yes, thank you, so, internet. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, coming into this one feeling good. It's been a good week. It's been a really uh, kind of wide-ranging week emotionally and thinking about uh, our walk with God and relationship with God. And, you know, as we've said in the past, Rick, you know, we don't really script these out. We just, you know, pick a topic and wherever God's kind of been leading us and where we've gotten inspiration from The Chosen or from John Eldridge or N.T. Wright or any one of a number of other yes. uh, voices that we listen to and uh, – so kind of the same this week, you know, as we were talking about a topic, something that uh, God's kind of been leading me into is um, eliminating noise and distraction from my life. And I was trying to kind of think about, okay, where is this going? And then the scene from The Chosen, um, it's in season two. Uh, I think it's episode four. Uh, the title of the episode is The Perfect Opportunity. And in that scene, Jesus, the character playing Jesus, I don't really think that Jonathan Rumi is Jesus. I just want to make that clear for anybody who might think that we're, right. you know, dis disillusioned. Let's just say out of all the characters who've ever played Jesus, he, in my book, hands down is the best. Superbly done. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Yeah. Excellent job. Yeah, so Jonathan Rumi as Jesus and uh, his disciples, uh, Simon, uh, John, and Matthew all show up to the pool of Bethesda. And in the, I think it's in John chapter 5 where that story is recorded. Right. Uh, Jesus goes up to this man who has been there for 38 years, and um, Jesus asks him, do you want to be healed or do you want to be made well? And I love the way they played it in The Chosen, you know, Jesus and this uh, lame man who in the, the show was, they gave him the name Jesse. So Jesus and Jesse are having this conversation and Jesse's talking about how he's been there for so long. And every time the water is stirred, other people get down in front of him and uh, he starts to give all these reasons why he's just kind of laying there miserable. And Jesus uh, makes the comment, you don't need this pool. You only need me. And for me, that really solidified kind of where God has been leading me uh, these last couple weeks, and really, in particular, this last week of just eliminating noise and distraction. And I kind of saw my life in that scene as there's all these pools that we go to, places that we go to try to get refreshing or to get that sense of adventure or closeness and connectedness with other people. And those things are all good. They're not bad in and of themselves. Right. But if those things become a distraction from Jesus and they keep us from prioritizing time with God in the presence of God, they can become a danger to us. So, um, John Eldridge, again, we, you know, reference him so often um, in the recent episodes of the Wild at Heart podcast. Uh, they're talking about healing rhythms, and it's a lot of, like, how do we kind of disconnect purposely from the noise of our society and the noise of life to prioritize time with God. So that's kind of where we're going today with this, and uh, Rick, I know I just over the last couple of days, you and I have been going back and forth on this. So at a certain point in the podcast here, I'd like to kind of break in and show that scene with yes. uh, Jesus at the pool of Bethesda. But before we do that, if you have any thoughts, man, I'd love to hear them. Hmm. I have lots of thoughts, as you're very well aware. <laughs> some of them may or may <laughs> not be. Some of them may or may not line up with our topic. But I think it's interesting that, you know, in uh, John chapter 5, <clears throat> he finds, you know, Jesse, the character Jesse, we'll call him Jesse. And um, who's been laying there uh, most of his life. <clears throat> and um, he asked him, do you want to get well? Mm -hmm. And um, according to uh, John chapter five, he doesn't answer him. He says, I have no one to help me. And, sir, 
I have no one to help me in the pool and the water stirred while I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. And, um, <clears throat> the, um, I, I, there's a really deep story here. Um, it is a, the long road to hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in the, uh, uh, the chosen, we get to watch that happen, you know, over a lot of time. It's condensed, but we watch that because when he first gets there, you know, he wasn't born lame in the, in the interpretation in the show, um, happens as a child and he's injured and he's crippled for the rest of his life. And it's a long journey to that place. But when he first gets there, he really tries. He, every time he tries desperately to get there and slowly over time, that effort becomes more minimal to where he doesn't try at all. Mm. Watches the water. And then, you know, and it made me think of, um, you know, people in those situations, how sometimes the longer you deal with those things, the harder it is, you become more and more hopeless and, um, you know, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. <clears throat> and um, no matter what happens, it's still hard to believe. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we need that, you know, I mean, that's easy to say that that interruption, that godly interruption. And um, I mean, it's really sad because there was a whole lot of other people laying around that pool. That was a yeah. big pool too. It was uh, about the size of a football field, twenty feet oh, deep. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, uh, historians say that uh, <clears throat> John's description, even though he wrote it some years after the pool was destroyed, it was approximately the size of a football field. Had several porticos around it. It was about twenty feet deep. That's a big pool, Jack. That's a huge pool. <laughs> so. There was a lot of people around that. Um, and uh, uh, many of the pools in antiquity, like this one, accompanied healing shrines directed, dedicated to popular deities. And uh, Jesse had been sick longer than a lot of people lived. Mm-hmm. And uh, it laying at that pool for just as long. Um, so I don't, I mean, I've got some other things, but let's kind of, I don't want to, take up the time. I know you've got some things to say and we're going to uh, kind of set up that video. So I'll uh, pass the baton. Yeah. So what we'll do, I'll, we'll take off here in a second and we'll show this clip. But um, in this scene, uh, Jesus and a couple of his disciples, they're on their way to Jerusalem. They actually walk past a couple people just outside the city gates that are being crucified and Jesus kind of stops for a moment and and looks, and you can see some deep reflection in his eyes as he's doing that. It's really just the the storytelling is just masterful there. But they go into the city, and um, in the scene, as the Chosen has set it up, uh, there's some stairs that are elevated, and Jesus is standing there, and he's kind of scanning the crowd, and his eyes lock on Jesse, and he said, that's the one. That's the one who's been here the longest, but doesn't belong. So with that, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and watch this clip, and then we'll come back. Okay. This is what all the fuss is about. An oversized mikveh. I have a feeling we haven't seen it all yet.
שלום. מי? יס. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? <laughs> Look, I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir? I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so... Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you or who's not helping. Who's getting in your way? I'm asking about you. <laughs> I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. He said, don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now. All right. So, man, just powerful, powerful, powerful. I've seen that scene. I can't tell you how many times, and this morning as I was recording it, just watching it over and over again, making sure the recording was right, uh, still just began to weep. And you can see the excitement in his eyes as Jesus says, do you want to be healed? He said, well, let's go then. And it's like almost like you could see he's starting to feel something in his legs that he hasn't felt in a long time, and he gives his thigh a smack, and he, he feels it, and he stands up. 
you know. And then I love the way uh, the the chosen writers did this: is that uh, Jesus walks off right away, and the disciples kind of stay back for a minute. And Peter says, or Simon says, you know, make sure you get your mat because you're not coming back here. That life is over. And just it's just it's beautiful. It's really really beautiful. And as we were watching that, the thing that occurs to me is. I think that's a lot like people in church, people that spend their lives in church. You know, we come in sick and broken and we think that this thing is going to fix us and we're excited. But then we find out that there's no power there. Mm. And eventually we just get cold and we stop responding. But then a move of God comes along. And then that's that's the real moment. I think we mentioned in an earlier episode uh, I think we each get moments in our lives, maybe one, maybe several, where God presents us with a choice. Do you want to get well? Mm-hmm. He could have stayed in his yeah. stuff. He could have just had no faith and been like, you know what? I've tried everything. You don't have anything to offer that I haven't seen. But he didn't. He did respond. And, uh, yeah, it just as we – go through our lives and we get busy and we get so used to where we're at and what we're doing. Um, I think it's easy to maybe grow. Like last week we talked about the religious indifference. I think it's easy to get indifferent toward the things of God. Um, And then to harken back to the episode before that, but what is the antidote to religious indifference is the shameless audacity, the audacity to believe that in spite of how long we've suffered and how long we have gone in the state we're in, God still has a way through that. God still has a solution and an answer for us. So I just, I, yeah, I really feel like this message of getting back to, we only need Jesus. And I love the way um, that was, again, the quote from that scene that really kind of clarified and crystallized this for me is, um, you know, Jesus said to Jesse, you know, you've been at this pool all these years and you know it's not for you, but you're still here. Um, and he said, you only need me. You don't need this pool. You only need me. And I think that's where if we're speaking to people like you and I that were in church for a long, long time, decades and we loved God. We wanted a move of God. We wanted the presence of God, but we were just stuck until, you know, God came along with that moment and, you know, we responded to it. So anyway, going and going here, but uh, that's kind of where my head's at. I'm thinking about how can we talk to people that maybe have found themselves in this and how do we offer them hope and encouragement? So that's a, that's a really good question. Um, just making some observations about the pool. Did the, the people that were at the pool, did they live there? Were they there 24 hours a day or did someone help them get there? Um, uh, who, uh, who fed them? Did they have friends that take them every day and leave them at the pool or did they, were they there 24 uh, seven? All taking all these things into consideration, it probably did not smell well. Uh, probably reeked. Um, and I'm sure the water did too. Every time the people jumped in, the ones that were able to move. And it's interesting that he asked this one person, do you want to be made well? Um, and, you know, and you touched on something. Some people don't want to be made well. <clears throat> and, you know, um, not a popular opinion, but, um, they might lose the attention of being sick. Then what, where do they go after that? I mean, when that becomes such a familiar place that as uncomfortable and disgusting as it may have been, it was still home. It was a place. It was, it was spiritual like Munchausen syndrome almost, you know, the attention you get from being sick. Right. And it was, it was, it was familiar. It's familiar. Even though it was uncomfortable and painful, and, you know, eventually you don't smell it anymore. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> like people that smoke, they don't smell it. Ex-smokers do, you know. Yeah. First thing they pick up. And uh, when I think that when Jesus uh, asked him, do you want to be made well, what he was really asking him is, uh, 
where's your heart? Yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, my, my concern is, is that there are some really familiar things in here that, that they translate into church. And you're right. You hit a, um, on a really good point is that when people do come to church, there's people that, you know, I, I know people, I go to church with some people that have been going to church since they were little kids. Yep. They grew up in the same church and that has been their whole life is in that church, you know, uh, families and marriages and jobs and careers. And that has been their, you know, that's been their pool for yeah. 50, 60 years mm. uh, back and forth. And, um, you know, my question is, what is, what if revival doesn't come? What if the move of God doesn't happen? Because if you think about it, not to get all, you know, weird and existential, but if you think about all the churches uh, that, you know, dot this country from border to border, coast to coast, and uh, top to bottom, front to back, side to side, there yeah. are hundreds and thousands of churches. Yeah. I mean, Southside Virginia, you know, they're, they dot the country. I mean, you know, the landscape from, you can go around the bend and a mile down the road, there's another little church. Yeah. <clears throat> and on any given Sunday, there could be as, you know, three cars or 30 cars. So, and everybody's saying the same thing, Paul, you know, a lot of them, you know, we're two or three gathered in his name. There he is among us. And we throw that out there sometime like a religious bumper sticker you know, the Lord was here before we got here. I hear that on numerous Sundays. Jesus was here before he got here. And I think to myself, really? <laughs> he just was. 25 minutes, they're going to unlock the doors. <laughs> so when are going to be here first? You know, hey, there's the worship team is. They're always first. And, um, you know, I mean, if that's the case, why doesn't anything change? Right. Why doesn't anything happen? I mean. You know, you know, as well as I do in the New Testament, when Jesus showed up, one of two things happened, a revival or a riot. Yep. We don't have any either one of those things. And it's funny is that this morning I was doing my devotion on the front porch and and um, I was praying and walking. I did listen to John Eldridge's uh, healing rhythms yesterday. And the thing that really stood out was the people that walked with God. And so I did a, I did a short little shallow dive on that. And, you know, of course, Enoch, Abraham, and a few others, uh, that came to mind. <clears throat> and, um, they, they, they didn't mention the obvious, the 12 disciples and well, then, yeah. yeah. And then all of the people that followed him, then all the people that he invited to follow him and, and Jesus told, um, was it Philip? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, seen the Father, you know, and the father and I are one. So when you follow Jesus, you're, you're walking with God, um, yeah. you know, and um, I, I think that we all have familiar pools, whether it's, you know, pool or church. I play, I pray all the time that our church would become that pool of Bethesda, you know, yeah. and now as I think about it, um, Maybe I shouldn't pray that. You know, that was a stinky place. <laughs> right. But then again, if that's the people that are coming, do we have more to offer them than waiting for God to trouble the waters? Do we have more to offer? Are we only going to help one or we're we going to help all? I mean, yeah. Yeah, this is, I'm convicted, dude. I, I am, you know. Uh, we lay, you're right. We, uh, sometimes we, people spend their entire life laying by a pool, the pool of indifference. Yeah. And, um, so yeah. I'm, yeah. This is not a, a, a bony religious finger pointing at everybody saying, you know, why are you so apathetic? This is us talking about the process that God's got us in because we were well-intentioned, but missing it for a long time. Um, I've 
referred numerous times before in previous episodes here that uh, was September and October of 2020 uh, that I first heard the message of the Great Runal. That's not to say that it wasn't preached somewhere before and I was in the service or I listened to the the sermon. I'm old enough to remember sermon tapes. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not old, but I'm old enough to remember tapes, uh, CDs, you know, if I was traveling somewhere. I'm, I'm sure the message was preached somewhere because I've been in church my whole life and in a good church. Uh, but I didn't hear it until John Eldridge's podcast in September and October of 2020. Um, before that, though, I was cold, indifferent, ambivalent, as uh, the title of those podcasts uh, kind of gets to on my ambivalence around the return of Christ. I was ambivalent toward the kingdom of God, like I believed in it, but it just didn't hold any power or weight for me. And um, Paul talks in Colossians about, you know, all of the laws and everything that we make up that they have a form of godliness, but they don't have any power to restrain, you know, sin in our lives. And that was where I was in my relationship with God. I was so distracted with all these other things and noise and like, and I'm talking like spiritual noise. You know, Amy and I lived in Chicago for a long time, and that's a good example of a place that is noisy pretty much 24-7. Um you know, sometimes more so than others, but uh, that was a, a good kind of picture of what my soul was like. It was just noisy and distracted and going from one thing to the next and trying to find something to fill me up. But what I needed was Jesus. And um, in the, these most recent episodes of the Wild at Heart podcast, I forget who the quote was from, but I thought it's really profound that... Uh, the fact that our society doesn't realize that um, Christianity has answers for the very real problems that we deal with isn't because science has come so far that we no longer need God. It's that the noise of our society has increased to the point where we don't want the stillness that finding those answers requires. Mm. And I'm paraphrasing there. I'm sure whoever initially said that said it much better. Um, and Eugene Peterson, actually, they quoted this in, in Wild at Heart, is that uh, the, the three biggest tools that the devil uses are busyness, crowds, and noise, just distraction and overstimulation. And um, I think it was portrayed really well in The Chosen. In that scene, Jesus got Jesse's full attention. All you need is me. Everybody else just kind of faded out, and it was Jesus and Jesse talking about this and Jesus spoke right to exactly what he needed to hear. And I think that's where God wants to get each one of us, but we spend our time trying to gin up this excitement for God that we know we should have, but we just, we don't feel it and it's not sustainable because it's something we're trying to generate. But the presence of God is he's wooing us away from all of the crowds, all of the noise, all the distractions to just sit at his feet and listen. And he has things to say to us, but will we, will we sit and listen? Um, in John's letters to the churches at the beginning of uh, Revelation, um, Jesus continues to say through John, whoever has an ear, let him hear. You know, So it's possible to have ears but not hear what God's saying. It's possible to have eyes but not see, you know, and I think that was said in Isaiah. So, yeah, I think that's uh, that's kind of where God has been leading me through this is to speak some hope to people that no matter how long, 40, 50, 60 years you've been in church in the same place and it's if it's lost its, its flavor for you, there is a way to, to get that back that's not just us ginning it up. So. <clears throat> Yeah, that's a good observation. And you know what? I'm <clears throat> the numbers do not bode well either. The the recent statistics and numbers and and um, some of the push and the persecution that the church is, you know, almost a renewed persecution uh, against the church. Um, 
and uh, you know, my gosh, churches are closing and pastors are quitting in, in alarming numbers. Yeah. And um, it, you know, um, without trying to be critical or um, I, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, um, you know, not to be arrogant by any means, but is it because so much of our, you know, of our religion, of our dogma, of our routine, has it become like the pool of Bethesda, you know, I, I, and I think a lot of people have that misconception of when they, you know, they hear the pool of Bethesda, it's just this sparkling oasis, you know, it was just crystal blue water and just this, you know, uh, a destination, you know, <laughs> great three day weekend, you know, and, uh, well, yeah, we stayed at the, uh, Bethesda resort. Um, it was wonderful. Uh, no, <laughs> it, it, I imagine, you know, that it was a cesspool right? and, um, everybody for miles brought because of, you know, when the angel of the Lord troubled the waters, man. So everybody and anybody sick in any way, that's where they went. And so it had to have been crowded. It had to have been, you know, a certain amount of noise and, and funk, you know, um, yeah. and people, and there's always going to be the genuine article of people that truly seeking God, you know, and something in Jesse, caused Jesus to notice him. Right. And I wonder what that was. I really do. And even then, you know, he didn't say, do you want me to heal you? Uh, well, I mean, according to John five, yes. Do you want to be made well? But he, he's not the only, he asked other people that, what do you want me to do for you? Yeah. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be made whole? It's curious that he had asked that it is and it isn't. Because you're right. I mean, there's some people don't. They really don't. They pretend like they do, but they don't. Because then they would be just like everybody else. Um, they would they would lose that attention, and then they have to start over because they lose all that familiarity. It's like somebody staying in, a, in an abusive relationship. Yeah, they, they grew up in a home where it was abusive, and then they ended up in an abusive relationship. That's all they've ever known. They don't know anything outside of that. It's unfamiliar. Right. And, um, so my concern is, it's funny, is that this morning is as I was praying and talking to God and took a short walk and, uh, and I started thinking about, because I pray a lot that our church would become a pool of Bethesda. Um, I don't know if I'm going to pray that exactly the same way, <laughs> but People are broken. There's a lot of broken people, lost people, crippled emotionally and physically and relationally. They're crippled, crippled people. And um, there, you know, there has to be a place for them to go. And, if, you know, if our churches, um, what's where am I going with this? We cannot settle for less. We can't. We, you know, um, and I can understand sometimes. Um, and part of my prayers this morning, I was asking God, I don't want to get wrapped up in routine and dogma, you know, to pray a certain way, to pray the right words, right. you know, and to, because if I don't say the words right, then, you know, it, it does, it's not going to work. It's always going to be a posture and a heart issue and a conversation with God. And uh, I, I mean, I would love nothing more than to every single person in our church on Sunday morning be healed completely, right. totally, thoroughly from the right. top of their head to the soles of their feet healed. And, um, you know, I've often said, if you want to build a church, start getting people healed. They will. Right. They will come for hundreds of miles. Yep. But Jesus was testament of that. Yeah. People absolutely. came from all over. And people, we want that. And we say we want those things. And I was thinking about that this morning too. But when that starts to happen, 
do you have people in your church willing to accommodate that move? Right. Are they willing to lay down everything to keep the doors unlocked, to keep the prayers and the fires burning for every single person that walks through those doors? That's a tall yeah. order. And you know what? You're, there's some point where it's, you're going to have to give up a lot. You have to give up your life. You have to give up your comfort, right. uh, you know? Yeah. You know, as you're talking, I'm realizing too, um, we're nine months into this podcast and about 31 minutes into this episode. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you're not just trying to pick apart what we're saying, you are responsible. It's the God is calling you to be the person that starts that. So, <clears throat> yeah, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what, Paul, you're right. You're touched, you talked about growing up in church. I mean, I grew up in the Methodist church and still church, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, years later, after running from God and, you know, serving myself, I, I, uh, I had that encounter. Um and uh, with God that completely and totally changed my life forever. And uh, I, you know, I've often said, I've never been the Christian I promised I would be, but he's always been the Jesus he promised he would be. Yes. And two years ago, um, you introduced me to that podcast from John and Blaine Eldridge our ambivalence towards the return of Christ. I had a conversation with a man last week and, and uh, talking about, you know, the great renewal and, and the kingdom of God coming to earth, you know, not being, you know, snatched away and and uh, our hard drives completely erased and to sit around on clouds like fat babies with harps. <laughs> that the kingdom of God is coming and he's going to make all things new and we're going to live on this earth forever with him. Um, his biggest concern was, you know, I, I you know, he. I got to get all my kids saved. And he was an elderly gentleman, very kind, very nice, love him dearly. And uh, but he said, I, I got to get all my kids saved first. I got to get all my kids saved. And um, I, I understand the the concern because we've told everyone they're going to hell. Right. And they're going to burn in hell and the earth is going to be destroyed. There's going to be this huge Armageddon. And the spaceships are going to come and snatch all the good people away. <laughs> yeah. Take us to Krypton or whatever. I mean, there's people that believe that stuff. There are. So, um, I, you know, it's, it's concerning for a lot of people. But that being said, is it our fear that's going to win people or our faith? Are we motivated by fear? Are we motivated by by faith? Are we motivated by love or the lack thereof? And right. people that are in love and you just, you know, take your spouse and my spouse and anybody else's spouse. Um, when you, you know, the first time you met, first time you laid eyes, first time you realized I can't live without this person there, you, you go to great lengths to prove that love you right. go and it's not it, it's not uh what's the word it's not cumbersome it's not right. difficult it's a net it's like breathing it's just like inhaling and exhaling that that's you know and but the best yeah. part of my day is when jan and i sit down and have dinner together yeah and just being in her presence so looking at it from that perspective, that's what I think we've lost along the way. A lot of people have. I know I did it at some time, and you did too. You just expressed that. We lose that fascination with Yeah. We lose our fascination with Christ. We lose yeah. that fascination, and it becomes that, that dusty routine of, you know, that's why people, are, you know, you ask them, hey, can you do a 10 to 15-minute devotion online with us in the morning? You can do it in your pajamas, your underwear, I don't, you know, whatever. Right. You know, take that time and join with us. Oh, I don't have time. You know, I, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. It, you know, yeah. we've lost our fascination with God. You know, actually – we are just finishing up this 35 day 
uh, devotional. And yeah, you're right. It's 15 minutes in the morning, you know, to read and maybe make a few comments. And uh, somebody that I had invited to the devotional uh, said to me, um, you know, I just want you to know I'm not going to be able to participate in this one because I got a lot going in the next 35 days. And it's like, okay. I mean, you right. know, no harm, no foul, but it's like 15 minutes in the morning, you know? Right. Um, I, yeah. you know what? I did the same thing. I invited a friend and, uh, and I told him that, uh, it doesn't have to be in the morning. Yeah. It's just a day. Whether it's in the morning, whether it's at noon, whether it's in the afternoon, where it's, you know, when you shut the TV off at the end of the day, and that's the last thing that you do. Yeah. Anytime during the day. It's not, right. we're not all together at the same time. Right. It's just participating in that with other believers and some, you know, contribute more than other. I know you and I are both avid writers. Uh, yeah. We love to write and we write every day and make observations. And we have that time. We have that luxury. And we can say that it's a luxury, but it's also a choice. We've made a choice to do that. And yep. it's like anything, the more that you put into it, the more that you strive for it, the more it becomes a part of you. And, and then you cross that line and uh, it doesn't become you. You become it. Right. You, your whole life becomes a devotional. Yeah. And that's really that's the good. goal. That's the end goal is that when you become a living devotional, then you become the pool of Bethesda. Yeah. And every time you breathe and move and pray and worship, you trouble the waters. And that becomes that healing and that motion. And that really is the key. And, and it's almost impossible to do it by yourself, just like Jesse could not get in the water. Right. He couldn't get in. And, to, and when you align yourself with other people like that, that are striving for that and working and leaning in, and, you know, and it's not like works, you know, well, now you're talking about works. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> you got to, sometimes you got to work for it, you know? Right. You, you want to get on the football field on Sunday? Guess what? You got to work. And, yep. and so the more that we do this and discipline ourselves, and isn't that what a disciple is? A disciplined one? A disciplined one. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you, we were talking about this before, and I think you actually mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, is there were at least 12 guys that followed Jesus. That was a deliberate choice. They left their careers. They left their families. They followed this radical, you know, guy yeah. who claimed to be the Messiah. And for most of them, it cost them their lives. Absolutely. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh, for a, uh, a mis a rat, you know, a carpenter who left the trades to become a mystical rabbi that yeah. astounded the, uh, the status quo. Yeah. And to, and just irritated him so much that they, they murdered him. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's where it starts. You know, and I've often said, um, you want to catch on fire, get close to the flame. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get, uh, yeah. That, I mean, you have to, you want to be yeah. better, find better people. You know, you want to be a better, uh, salesperson, find the best salesperson successful, get close to them. Yeah. You want to, anything that you want to do. You want to be a, a better guitar player, find a great guitar player and do what they do. You, yeah. you want to be a stronger Christian, find a strong Christian and do what they do. Get close to yep. them. Stay close to them. Because I guarantee you, if you find a Christian like that, they're not going to say no. Right. They're going right. to, yeah, come on. Yeah, we do this devotion. We do this. We got prayer time. Come on and do it. And then it's up to you, you know? Yeah. 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 And we finish our podcast every week with that exact invitation. Yes. Like wherever you find yourself, whatever continent you're listening to this on, whatever language you speak, we'll figure it out. Come join us. You yes. can, and this isn't our closing, but you can email us. You can say, hey, I want some of what you guys got. I like what you're saying. Um, and I, I don't have anybody in my life that, that understands this urge and this 
uh, desire that I have for God, like we understand, we get it. And you and I certainly don't have this all figured out. We're not scholars or theologians. We're not in, you know, professional full-time ministry, either one of us, but we love God and he is, has changed and is continuing to change our lives. And yeah, we need this, you know, the title of this podcast, what do you need? I need, and I know I speak for you, I need the presence of God. I need more of God in my life. I need more of Jesus. And God is leading us through surrendering all that other stuff, pushing through the distractions, pushing through the crowds and the noise to find Jesus and focus on him because he has the answers that we're looking for. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing about the pool is that uh, the pool of Bethesda, is when they got healed, they left. They left. Yeah, there's no need to stick around. No. You got what you came for. You know, unless they wanted to stay and start throwing other people in when it, the waters were troubled, people that couldn't like themselves that couldn't get in. I mean, I guess that could be a ministry. You could yeah. you know, become a, a lifeguard and just toss people in. You know, <laughs> yeah, there's a whole, I think we could analogize on I the know, pool of for quite a while. Yeah, you could. Yeah, we could nerd out on it. <laughs> we get nerdy, as John and Blaine say. Uh, but yeah, yeah. The, the whole uh, idea was to leave, to get up and go. Yeah. So maybe the next person could get in. But interesting. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Want to catch on fire? Find someone. Get in the flame. Yeah. What do I yeah. need? I need what you need. I need that. I need. I need, you need, I need more of the presence of God. I, I need people. I need to be around people who are absolutely head over heels in love with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same. Yeah. That's, that's why we kind of founded for lack of a better word, founded the warrior poets right. is we needed one another. We were out there kind of struggling and flailing about on our own, trying to make it work. And it's been since we linked arms. I mean, you and Preston and I were friends for years before that. But when we kind of formalized this, like, hey, this is more than just three dudes hanging out. God brought us together for a reason. That's the spark that lit the flame that led to, for you and I, the the recognition and, and, and um, kind of giving ourselves over to the message of the great renewal, which right. has become, Jesus said to the woman at the, the well, the Samaritan woman, that uh, out of you, you know, whoever comes to me, out of you will flow rivers of living water. Like I, I feel that happening in myself and it's changing the way that I do my job as an IT project manager. It's changing the way I love my wife. It's changing the way that you and I relate to one another as friends. I feel like our, our friendship has, has deepened and gotten richer over the last couple of years and it's starting to work its way into all these areas of my life. And it's, I don't ever want to stop. I know. I know right there with you, right there, the same exact thing to where you start to what's really changed in me, Paul, is that I am anxious for the return of Christ. Yeah. I fantasize about it. And that's yep. for some people that's really weird. That is weird. Yeah. Not for me. I do. I long for the kingdom of God. Yes. And uh, where was it that all, um, I know it's in the Bible. Um, <laughs> I don't know what street it's on, but, you know, um, all creation groans in anticipation for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. All creation. Romans 8 or 9, maybe? Mm. Uh, I could be wrong. But... Let's go to the videotape. <laughs> riffing here while you look this up yeah. Romans 822 I'll use my game show host voice uh, there you go Romans 822 we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time that would be the NIV but I like the, the version it says all creation groans in anticipation and um, if we're not groaning in anticipation that what are we groaning for? Are we still mm -hmm. laying yeah. by the pool of indifference? And we've, and we been there so long, we don't smell it. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. 
Ouch. Let's just leave it with that question. Yeah. What do you need? What do you need? Amen. So, all right. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for going with us on this. Yeah. Um, if you like what you heard, info at thecosmiccarwash.com. Uh, you can click the like button just below and to the left of this video down here. Yeah. Uh, you can subscribe. That's that red button with white letters. Please subscribe. Yes. Um, that helps us get this out to more people. And uh, we're not scholars or theologians, but we're just two guys who have been changed and continue to be changed right. by the message of the kingdom of God. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, this is we, good. Yeah, we've stumbled. We've fallen. We've screwed up. We've made terrible mistakes along the way and uh, found ourselves at one point in our relationship and our walk with God laying by the pool of indifference and God came and rescued us. Yes. We've been born again, again, again. Yeah, exactly. And, right. Yeah. That's what happened to you and I dude. Exactly. And, yeah. Uh, one of the greatest things that we have heard and we share it every time we close our messages is God, God is not mad at you. Right. God's not mad at you. He's not. Oh. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll yeah. see you again next week. Later. <laughs>